Well, I don't talk about it much, but I was actually baptized twice. Well, sort of. The first happened in the most traditional of ways, when I was a baby at Salem Lutheran Church in Catonsville, Maryland. Uh, my parents, my godparents, my family and friends gathered around me as the ba- pastor poured water over my head and baptized me in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. My mom, of course, still has all the pictures and the certificate and the candle and the box that it came in. And to this day, when I go to worship with my mom at her church, we walk by the very font where I was baptized. The second happened years later when I was a teenager. Um, I was confirmed in the Lutheran church, but then, like many, sort of drifted away. And eventually I found myself attending a small little Pentecostal church in the Florida Bible Belt. And there I found a loving community and a place to explore and deepen my relationship with God. And after a while, I was invited to be baptized as a symbol of my commitment to Christ, which I did. And that, and that happened not in a font, but in my youth pastor's swimming pool with several other people. Needless to say, these were two very different baptismal experiences. And these come to mind this morning because in our first reading from the book of Acts, we find St. Paul talking about two very different kinds of baptisms, the baptism of John the Baptist and the baptism of Jesus. In Ephesus, Paul runs into 12 people that Luke, the author of Acts, calls disciples, but they were, it seems, disciples of John the Baptist. They had been influenced by John's preaching and received the baptism of John, that is, the baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, which we heard so much about in Advent. They believed that the Messiah was coming soon, but they had not yet heard of Jesus. And so Paul explains to them that Jesus was the one that John preached about, the one whose sandals he wasn't fit to untie, the one who would come after him who was greater than him, the fulfillment of everything that John talked about. Paul said that John's baptism was good. It was about their desire to repent, their turning from sin and turning to God, to live good lives as they got ready to welcome the Messiah. However, he said Jesus' baptism was much, much more than that, on a whole different order and level. It wasn't about a new personal resolution. It wasn't about getting ready. It was about receiving the promise that had come. Like John's, it was about forgiveness, but also about salvation, about being claimed by God, receiving the Holy Spirit, the inner dwelling of God in our lives. John the Baptist knew this. As he says in one translation, he says, I am baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. His, Jesus' baptism, a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit, will change you from the inside out. And so immediately these 12 Paul was talking to were baptized into the baptism of Jesus and received the Holy Spirit. In the midst of this conversation between Paul and these 12, the line that stands out most to me is Paul's question to them. He says, into what then were you baptized? Into what were you baptized? For them, the question was between John and Jesus. For me, it is the question between my two baptisms. For us, I think, 
It is about how we think about the way we live our lives every day in God. And when I came back to the Lutheran church finally as a young adult, I discovered that Lutherans believe that we only ever require one baptism. One baptism once and for all. And that is because our baptisms are not based on our commitments and our dedications, our decisions or our promises, but on God's promises alone. I didn't know that then, that even though I wandered and stopped going to church for a while after confirmation and didn't take much of an interest in church or God, I didn't know that God still had a vested interest in me, that God was still alive in me, just waiting for me to see it. And so now I claim my first baptism as my only baptism. And my experience in that pool as a wonderful memory of a good and important experience with a loving group of people and a good story, but not for me, my baptism. Because I didn't realize then that I was already and had already been God's beloved. That's the word we hear at Jesus' baptism. You are my son, the beloved. With you, I am well pleased. For me, that's the key word and the key difference between these two baptisms, between John's baptism and Jesus' baptism, between the font and the pool. It's the difference between my choice and God's choice. God's enduring promise, which never fails. In baptism, God also calls us God's beloved people. God claims us as God's own once and for always. And from that point on, nothing that we do can make God love us any less or any more. You know, in a time of year when we make all kinds of New Year's resolutions, we do well to remember that we don't have to recommit ourselves over and over and over to God to be saved because God is forever and always committed to us. It's something that we have to be continually reminded of because we so often find ourselves acting as if God will love us more if we do more or do it better. In most of our lives, the love, honor, and respect we receive is hard-earned, not given. It is contingent on our actions and what we can produce and make. But our relationship with God is wholly different. It's based solely on God's unfailing love for us. Martin Luther used to say that when we are tempted to doubt that, and I would say tempted to go down this road of feeling that we are not enough for God, we are to repeat over and over again as he did, I am baptized. I am baptized. Not I am a Christian, not I believe, but I am baptized. When it feels that God is absent, when we feels like we have completely lost our way, when it feels that all we sense from God is judgment. It is then that we claim our baptism over again. We look at that certificate and the candle that is lit and the box that it comes in, um, the towel that is used to wipe away the water from our forehead when we are baptized, when we splash water on our face in the morning, we are to remember that we are baptized, that no matter what, God has claimed us and God loves us as God's own. When we are tempted to feel that we have lost God's love or that we can then go back and earn God's love somehow, we remember to say with Brother Martin, I am baptized. 
I am loved. I am God's beloved. Luther also said that every Christian has enough in baptism to learn and practice all of his or her life. One baptism, he said, is more than enough. This font and these waters is where we start. It's where we live our lives in God, and it's where we end up when all is said and done. We are God's beloved now and forever. And there's a wonderful book um, called Falling in Love with God, which is a meditation on the book The Song of Songs or Song of Solomon, which you find in the Hebrew Scriptures. And the Song of Songs is a book that uses the word beloved a lot. And the author of the book, Tara Sowers, invites her readers to imagine themselves, to imagine ourselves as God's beloved. And she writes this. She says, Too often we do not consider ourselves beautiful. Too often we are more aware of our flaws and weaknesses than our beauty. Too often we do not see ourselves as worthy of God's passionate love. That is because we look at ourselves through the wrong set of eyes. We look at ourselves with the eyes of our culture, which tells us, for example, that we must be young and thin. We look at ourselves with the eyes of others who may discount us because of our race or disabilities. We look at ourselves with the eyes of those who may have criticized us when we were growing up, making us feel that we were never good enough. We look at ourselves with our own guilty eyes, knowing how far we are from what we would like to be. The Song of Songs, she says, and I would add the Bible and the baptism of Jesus and our own baptisms, calls us to look at ourselves with a different set of eyes. It calls us to look at ourselves through the eyes of the one who loves us, through God's eyes. When we do, she says, we are all in for a surprise. For through the eyes of love, we are indeed beautiful, more beautiful than we could possibly imagine. We are irresistible to God. And if we let ourselves, we will be irresistibly drawn to God as well. She says, this is the power of love. She suggests that we ask God to help us see ourselves as God sees us and spend more time being open to a new way of looking at ourselves through the eyes of God's love, especially when in the weeks to come our New Year's resolutions go by the wayside where we find ourselves anxious or frantic or hear that little voice in our heads that says, you're not enough. In those times, in those times, we must remember into which we were baptized. Not John's baptism. Not a baptism of our own choosing that hangs by our own promises, but by Jesus' baptism and the non-ever-failing promises of God. Because it's not up to us. It's up to God. Our baptism is the wellspring of the Christian life. And the font for us is like this life-giving spring at the center of our life together, renewing us and refreshing us and reminding us that we are God's and God's alone. That as God's beloved, we can confidently and courageously live our lives and enter into one another's pain and joy and rejoice in one another and follow Christ out of love and not fear. Baptism is also the crossroads of life and death for When we are baptized into Christ's death and resurrection at baptism, we are raised with him every day and finally at the end of our lives. In our baptisms, God is always bringing us into new life, surprising us with the measure of God's love. 
and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. This is the baptism we have received. We are God's beloved. And in us, in us, God is well pleased. Amen.